Welcome to the Ghost Rap Podcast. It's fast, it's fun, it's informative. This is your weekly dose of the news that matters on the markets with your host, the Finance Ghost. For more details on these stories and to make sure you get daily updates, visit ghostmail.co.za. The Ghost Rap Podcast is proudly brought to you by Mazars, a leading international audit, tax and advisory firm with a national footprint within South Africa. Sher once asked us if we believe in life after love. Clearly I'm giving away my age here, but I have to say that I did believe in life after REIT for Fortress and I haven't been wrong thus far. The company lost its REIT status and pretty much like the Y2K bug, not a lot happened, despite much fanfare around this. In fact, the balance sheet flexibility is pretty useful in this environment, as is the company's 23.9% stake in Nepi Rock Castle, a property fund which is shooting the lights out right now. Fortress's portfolio is larger than ever and vacancies are at their lowest point since 2009. The share class structure with two different classes of shares remains difficult to live with though and it means there are still no distributions on either class of shares. But perhaps that will change in future and perhaps the company will find a solution. For now at least, the operations look good. TrueWords definitely deserves a mention here, especially with all eyes on the retail industry as the hideous spectre of stage 6 load shedding has reared its head once more. You need to be a little bit careful with these numbers though as the base period was a 53 week trading period and there is also a large amount owing from SARS this period due to a VAT settlement. So if we try to just look at the operations specifically and get out of those distortions, we find retail sales up by 13.2%. Operating margin under pressure with a drop from 24.3% to 22.7% and diluted headline earnings per share up by 8.7%. Now that is a decent outcome but it does also show you how difficult things are right now in the retail industry. But where load shedding really hurts is in food retail. Just think about how cold your local Woolworths is and I imagine keeping it that cold when there's no electricity from ESCOM. In Woolworths' numbers for the 52 weeks to 25th of June, we can definitely see that coming through. And thank goodness that David Jones is now out of the way, so management can focus on the rest of the business and in the nick of time. Interventions that have already been made in fashion, beauty and home have worked out very well indeed, with turnover up 8.3% and gross margin up by 90 basis points. So operating profit increased by a very healthy 21.3%. But in Willie's food, there's pressure. Turnover increased by 8.5% overall and 6.3% on a comparable basis. Prices were up 8.3%, so that means that volumes fell. And even worse, price increases were below inflation, so Woolworths does not have the pricing power anymore that they used to enjoy. Despite gross margin moving slightly higher, operating profit could only increase by 2.9% because of the pressure on operating expenses, and ESCOM sits firmly at the centre of that. My final comment on Woolworths is on Country Road Group in Australia and New Zealand, which is the business down under that Woolworths is handing on to. Sales grew 12% overall and 12.4% in comparable stores. But hold on to your hats here, as sales in the second half of the year were only up by 0.6%. Still, operating profit for the full year was 25.6% higher in that business. But the very, very last thing Woolworths needed to see right now was a move to stage six load shedding. It's pretty hard to find much to point fingers at in Bidcorp's numbers for the year ended June. Revenue was up 33.4%, trading profit increased by 38.4%, and cash generated by operations jumped 66%. Right at the bottom of the income statement, we find headline earnings per share, or HEPs, up 35.4%. 
But perhaps the best way to understand this company and its operating model is to note that there were no fewer than nine bolt-on acquisitions in this period, nine of them. And a bolt-on acquisition simply means buying a business that fits very neatly into what you already do. Bidcorp is a huge consolidator of businesses in the food service market and is playing this role in many countries, with acquisitions as far afield as Spain and the Czech Republic. Right at the other end of the financial happiness spectrum at the moment, we find cash build. Revenue fell 4% in the year ended June, with gross profit down 8% as margins contracted as well. Selling price inflation was 5.4%, which tells us that volumes were sharply negative. By the time we work through the income statement, we find HEPs down by 37% year-on-year and the dividend for the full year down 42%. However, the final dividend was actually down 51%, so the outlook has in fact gotten worse as the year went on. And even the balance sheet is under pressure, with stock levels up 12% despite revenue being lower. Things do not really seem to be improving in the new financial year either, with sales down by 1% for the first six weeks of trading. It really is tough out there for Cashbuild. Cup may need to rebrand to Club, to be honest, because that is exactly what this industrials group got given in its latest period. Some Afrikaans words just do not have a sufficiently good English equivalent. Cup saw revenue increase by 6%, but EBITDA fell 11% and HEPs tanked by 43%. Safripol is the biggest culprit here, with revenue up 2% but operating profit down by a whopping 45%. When the biggest division in the group registers a performance like that for the year, there isn't much hope for the group result. Unitrans was also very problematic, with revenue up 3% and operating profit down 33%. PG Bison, Restonic and Faltex all grew operating profit, but they are too small to make up for the big drops in the major divisions. I'll finish off this episode of Ghost Rap with Motus, where revenue increased by 16% and EBITDA by 19%, yet headline earnings per share could only limp along with a 1% increase. And what happened here? Well, it can only be net finance costs, of course. Automotive dealerships operate with vast quantities of floor plan finance, and that costs a lot more in an environment of higher interest rates. Net finance costs surged from 492 million rand to 1.35 billion rand, eating up the entire increase in operating profit and then some. In fact, only a drop in the effective tax rate stopped profit from decreasing year on year. With only 7% of Motus's funding at fixed rates, the year ended June was probably a better period than the next six months will be. I would trade very carefully here. And that's a wrap. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Ghost Rap podcast should be taken as advice. Please do your own research and visit ghostmail.co.za for more insights into the market.